Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. Welcome everyone. This is Dr. Yvette. I am recording. I'm actually recording on a weekend, which is why you're seeing me like this <laughs> with no makeup in my weekend gear. Um, so today I'm going to be talking to you about early career moves, uh, how to apply to non-tenure track jobs when you're right out of undergrad or right out of grad school, uh, applying to jobs. Um, before I get to that topic, I wanted to mention just a few updates, what's going on with me, what's going on with the podcast. One thing that I'm starting to do more, uh, which I'm really looking forward to, is having special guests. And um, I do have actually a link on, like if you go to my Instagram page, I have a link tree. And if you go there, there's a link to the consent form if you want to be a guest on the podcast. You don't have to feel like you're an expert or like you know everything to come on the podcast. I know I myself am not an expert per se. I have knowledge and I share my knowledge and everybody who listens to the podcast has their own set of knowledge and experiences. And so if there's anything that you're interested in speaking on, um, you're more than welcome to come on as a guest. Uh, so just fill out that consent form. I'll reach out to you and we'll schedule something. I already have a couple things lined up, which I'm excited for. Uh, we're going to have someone talking about being a woman in STEM, a woman of color in, in the STEM field. We're going to have someone talking about ethical chisme in grad school. We might even have someone, um, I'm looking into asking someone to be um, to speak on the topic of financial literacy, that's come up a lot for my students and listeners. So that's one update, guest speakers. The other thing that's new that you might have noticed is that now I'm recording my episodes um, on Zoom. And so that way you have both the audio and the visual and transcripts so that you have the subtitles available on YouTube. Um, like I mentioned earlier, it's just an effort to make the information more accessible. Lastly, one thing I'm starting to do little by little, so don't expect a lot too soon, <laughs> um, but I am starting to create digital products and adding them to an Etsy shop. And so I'm, um, I'm just thinking about things that I wish that I could have had access to when I was an undergrad that would have helped me in the process of applying to grad school. And so for the first product that I worked on, it's a calendar. It's a calendar that's going to help you apply to grad school. And so what it does is it has a month to month. Um, it's, it's month to month from June to May. And it tells you, it has like a to-do list of what to do each month to prepare for and apply for grad school. So I know that when I applied, it felt really overwhelming and I just really wanted someone to tell me, okay, this is what you do. This is when you do it. And I even included um, episode topics. So I included in this month, you do X, Y, and Z for the topic of X, you know, listen to episode, la da da for more details. So um, if you're interested in that, calendar on applying to grad school you can check it out on my etsy shop again the links are all 
on the uh, link tree available in my Instagram page. And I'm also going to be adding that to my website. So if you go to my website or you go to my IG page, you'll find it there. All right, so now to the topic of today. This was a special request from a listener. Um, I've had it on my list of things to talk about and I'm finally getting to it. So thank you so much to the individual who requested this. All right, so what do you do when you're thinking about applying for jobs? Maybe you're an undergrad and you're taking a gap year or two and you wanna get some work experience before you apply to grad school. Or maybe you are a grad student fresh out of grad school and you decided you're not going to be applying to tenure track jobs. And so you're trying to land your first job out of grad school. What to do? Okay, so if you haven't graduated yet and you're still a student, you're still an undergrad, you're still a grad student, here are a few things I think you should do. Uh, you should, I encourage you to get a part-time job or an internship. Um, ideally a paid internship. I'm not a big fan of unpaid internship. I'm not a big fan of unpaid la uh, labor in general. Um, but get a job, get an internship so that you can acquire some hands-on skills in whatever field you're interested in. So I'm going to use myself as an example. When I was a grad student, I worked part-time as a uh, research mentor and I also worked part-time as a scholarship advisor. And so in those settings, I was able to learn how to create workshops um, and present them. I was able to take on projects so that I learned how to do create websites and update websites, so website management. I learned about how to um, utilize social media and social media marketing. Um, I also, as a grad student, believe it or not, I was asked to sit in on the selection committee to, um, to select the incoming Mellon Mays fellows. So that was really insightful to get to review applications and then select students um, in the incoming cohorts. And so if you are in these positions, I would uh, encourage you to think about what is it that you want to get out of it? And how can I advocate so that I can get these skill sets during your time there? So for instance, um, if you, you are a graduate mentor and in your position, there's no possibility for you to, or hasn't been presented as an opportunity for you to be part of a selection committee, maybe you can ask, uh, inquire, you know, notify your supervisor and let them know, like, I'm interested in some professional development. One of the things I'm interested in is learning how to review and select applications. Would it be possible for me to be a part of the selection committee this year? Or even as an undergrad, I have one student who um, works part-time for a research center and she's a student peer and she was actually able to interview and hire another peer. So because she has had the experience doing that, her supervisor told her that it was okay for her to be in charge of hiring the next person. Obviously with her supervisor there, um, but she was still part of that process. And she told me it was very um, interesting to be on the other side of things and to be interviewing someone else for the first time because she's only ever been interviewed before. But that was a really great learning experience for her. And that actually also happened in, in my office with a grad mentor. We had a grad mentor who was um, leaving, graduating. She got a new job. It's a wonderful opportunity for her. And so we knew we needed to replace her. 
And she went ahead and asked me if it was possible for her to be in the selection committee to choose the person that would replace her. And I thought that was a great thing, a great opportunity for her. So we did go ahead and move forward with that. And um, I kind of talked her through the process and the things that I look for, the strengths, challenges, interview questions, why, why I do the things that I do, how I came up with that process. And obviously I got her feedback and her input and we were able to hire someone fabulous who's now our, our current grad mentor in our office. So definitely, Think about what are the skills that you're going to need and how can you acquire them in the job or internship that you get before you land your full-time job. And that's going to help you. That helped me a lot with landing my first full-time job out of grad school was having that all of those skills um, so that I wasn't just relying on the research experience and my teaching TAing experience. I was actually like, I had actually hands-on experience in an office setting, in a research center, in a scholarship center, um, doing that kind of work. So those are the things you should do if you're still an undergrad, if you're still in grad school. Now, let's say you're wrapping things up and you're getting ready to apply. Before you start applying, I strongly encourage you to um, schedule a few informational interviews. What are informational interviews? That's when you reach out to an individual who's in a position that you're interested in and you contact them and ask for a few minutes of their time and you ask them a few questions that will help you in learning more about their position. You can ask them, what does a day in the life of someone in this position look like? Um, how, how is it that they got to where they're at? So asking about their professional trajectory, you can ask them for advice. So what kind of advice would they give to someone applying into a similar position or um, what are some of the characteristics, qualities, skills that they look for in candidates. You can even ask about a salary range. I know talking about money is very awkward and uncomfortable and I certainly I'm not telling you to ask them what they make but you can say and if you hear my baby that's my baby <laughs> teething. Um, I, I as I mentioned I'm a mother scholar um, but anyway, going back, you can actually ask about the salary range. So you can say, what is the typical salary range for individuals in this field or for entry-level positions or for mid-level positions, just so that way you can get a sense of what the salary range is in that career, beginning to middle and even. Um, so entry-level, mid-level, senior-level positions. And then of course, very, very important as you wrap up that informational interview, you wanna let them know that you're applying, that you're actively or currently applying and that, you know, thank you so much for your time. I would really appreciate it if you see anything to send jobs my way. This is how networking works. If you develop a really good rapport with them, they're gonna remember you and they're gonna say, oh, you know, I talked to that one person. Let me send them this job ad. And you might get a job ad for a position that you wouldn't have otherwise found. Maybe it wasn't posted on the big databases. Maybe it wasn't available um, for uh, an extended period of time. So it was really helpful to have them send it to you directly or to have them as someone you know, because then if you know them, then you can say in your letter, like I found out about this position through so-and-so. And then all of a sudden it's like, you have that connection to that person who has a direct link to the position or to the campus, et cetera. So 
Networking helps, informational interviews help. And don't just do it once, do it a couple of times. It is hard to reach out. You are gonna feel like you're, you may feel like you uh, are bothering individuals. I know I get like that. I worry about that sometimes. But you're not asking for too much of their time. It could be just 15 minutes. It could be half an hour. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for more than half an hour of their time. Half an hour is more than enough time for you to get the information that you need from them. And then lastly, another thing to do is after telling them, um, I am actively applying for jobs. There's anything you recommend from, you know, for me to prep or if, um, you see any jobs, please send them my way. And if there's anyone else that um, you recommend I talk to, please let me know. So then you're asking them to refer you to someone else to talk to. Um, that's also very helpful because then you know who else you're going to talk to next. So keep that in mind. Informational interviews are really helpful. They help you get the ball rolling. They kind of help you keep you accountable because then you're telling people you're applying. So you almost feel obligated to follow through with what you're saying. Um, so that's the first thing I wanna say. The next thing has to do with the topic of salary range that I mentioned earlier. When you're applying to jobs, especially if you're still applying to jobs in higher education, they might be non-tenure track, but it's still in, in higher ed. I'm using that example because that's what I know. Um, a lot of times the job ads may not tell you what the starting salary is. And that's really frustrating because when you're applying to a job and you have no idea if you can even pay your bills with what you might make if you get that job. Um, so one thing I want you to do is in preparation for that, one, figure out what is the salary range for this position, for this um, career track that you're on, and also figure out what is the minimum that you are willing to make. Uh, you want to have a set number of like, what's the minimum that you would make to be able to pay your bills? This is where it's important to have a budget and figure out, okay, how much do I need to make to at the very least survive? And so when you look at, let's say the minimum you need is, I don't know, 2000 to survive and you multiply that by 12. So you need 24,000. So you know you're not looking for a job that's 24,000. I'm pulling out my calculator. Love the calculator. Keep in mind when you get full-time jobs, you have to pay for benefits and you have to pay taxes. And that takes out one third of your income. Yes, you make 40, no, 30K. All of a sudden you're only taking home 20K. You make 60K, all of a sudden you're only taking home 40k. So if you know you need $24,000 a year, $24,000 plus one third plus 30%. Okay, you need to make at least 31k. Um, that's at least I would say even more than that, that way you can save up have a nest egg if you have to pay for loans or whatnot, you can have that um, cushion. So figure out what is the minimum that you're willing to, to make to survive because you don't want to end up like I did my first job out of grad school. I thought, oh, I'm making way more than I did as an undergrad. I mean, as an undergrad and as a grad student. And then when I got my first paycheck and then they slashed one third of my paycheck for benefits and for um, taxes 
And then I accounted for all these other things like my new loan payment and like childcare. All of a sudden I was in the negative and I freaked out and I did end up having to incur credit card debt until I landed my next job, which had higher pay. So figure out that minimum number and don't accept anything less than that. Um, and that's why it's important to also find out what is a salary range for individuals in the position you're applying for. So that way you know if someone is um, not paying you equitably. Again, I'm telling you this because these are things that I wish that I knew when I applied for my first and my next position because um, it's really hard to um, keep moving forward when you realize that you're not being paid equitably. And this comes up a lot for people of color, for women, for women of color. Uh, I know that's um, happened to me, continues to happen to me. And so um, that's why I advocate for my students and I'm advocating for myself just to make sure that no matter what you're, you're making pay that both kind of covers your bills and that it's in line with what others, what other people make in that field. So salary range, figuring that out, figuring out what's the minimum that you need and that you will accept is very important. Another thing that's very important that you want to keep in mind, especially for the Cali folks, because I know y'all are listening to me, especially SoCal NorCal folks, <laughs> y'all are listening to me. LA, <laughs> I know at least one fourth of my audience is from LA. I don't know what it is, but um, y'all keep listening. Maybe it's because I'm from LA, um, even though I don't live in LA anymore. So anyway, cost of living. You want to take into account cost of living in that area and keep that in mind when you're when you figure out what your minimum amount is. Because if you live in a high cost of living area like I do, it doesn't matter if you make a lot of money or what may seem like a lot to you. If cost of living takes up the majority of your paycheck, it's it's really hard to kind of plan long-term, you know, to, to sustainably plan for, for yourself, for your family, for your retirement, all these other things that you want to keep in mind for your future. Um, so yes, cost of living is a big one. Okay. Um, thinking about also location, you want to identify whether or not you are willing to move outside of your current location for that job. Are you staying in one location? Or are you willing to apply widely? That's then going to impact how you're going to do your search for jobs. So if you're only, if you're doing a job search that's lo location specific, then I recommend looking for, again, it depends on um, the uh, career track that you're on, but going back to the, let's say you're applying to jobs in higher ed, you want to look for universities in the area. You want to look for community colleges in the area. You want to look for nonprofits in the area. You want to look for companies in the area that are aligned with your values, with your career goals, with your long-term goals, um, but also that are, again, in that area. So instead of perhaps you might not just do a search on the big sites like Indeed um, or Inside Higher Ed or the Chronicle of Higher Education, maybe you might do your search very specific um, websites for California State Universities, for specific universe, UCs, University of California, specific 
basically what are the, like, if you know, there's a region, let's say Chicago, for instance, you know, you want to live in Chicago, you know, you want to get a job there. Why did I say that? Because I, at one point wanted to do that. Um, then you look for what's okay. What's out there. UIC is out there. University of Chicago is out there. DePaul University is out there. Close by is um, Urbana-Champaign. Okay, that's not Chicago, but it's in Illinois. Um, Northwestern, again, not in Chicago, but in Evanston. And so you want to look for jobs in the specific university sites. And some jobs are only posted in university sites and not in the larger database, which is why it's good to double check, not just rely on the big databases, but also check the specific hiring sites for the universities, the companies, the nonprofits, and so on that you're interested in. If you're applying widely, then, you know, you can go ahead and check LinkedIn and check Indeed and Monster and all the big sites as well, um, because they will have access to a bigger range. Okay, the next thing I wanna say is, please don't hesitate to ask for help. It's very overwhelming to apply for jobs, especially when you're doing it for the first time, especially um, if you haven't done it before, especially if you're first in and you're kind of doubting yourself and your skills and your abilities. And so ask for help, have someone review your resume or your CV. It could be a friend, it could be a mentor, it could be someone that does this for a living that you hire to do this for you. And make sure that when you're working on your materials that you tailor them as much as possible. It is a lot of work, but the more you tailor, the more you make the argument that you're a good fit for that job, for that position, for the culture of that space, and the higher your chances are of getting an interview and getting the job. And when you're tailoring, make sure, especially for jobs, especially for jobs, make sure that you mirror the language. Make sure that you're using the jargon that they use. Make sure you want to speak the way that they speak in terms of the, yeah, the language of the culture of the setting. Uh, so if you see certain um, skills, certain things that they want, and you know you have that skill, you want to mirror it, you know, and use language that matches the way that they describe that skill. So what I mean by that is, um, I mean that you're reframing the academic skills that you gain in undergrad and grad school um, and reframing them so that it matches the job. So instead of maybe you might be tempted to say, I facilitated one hour discussion sections as a teaching assistant. Um, you could instead say, I presented complex concepts to general audiences of 20 to 100. You know, if, if you were TAing for a small or a large um, lecture. And um, instead of saying you have these broad research and teaching skills, you can say that you also have project management skills. You also have public speaking skills. You also have, you know, management, or like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I learned uh, people management, crisis management. There's a lot of skills that you gain both as an undergrad and as a grad student. Um, and so emphasize them. And based on what you see from the job ad as like the language that they use and the skills that they prioritize. 
Um, then, like I said earlier, have someone review your materials. And actually another thing, and again, it depends on your comfort level, how close you may be to an individual, but if you're comfortable with doing this, this is something I did as well, um, especially to folks that I kind of knew that were more acquaintances. They weren't close friends, but they were acquaintances. I knew them to some extent. Is I actually reached out and asked individuals, hi, I noticed that you know, you're know you da, 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 you're doing X, Y, and Z, and I'm interested in applying to X, Y, and Z. Um, I was wondering if you might be willing to offer some advice um, since I'm interested in applying, or if you might be willing to share uh, sample application materials, any insight you can provide would be very helpful. So you notice how I slipped in, you might be willing to share sample application materials. That's really helpful when you see like what does, just like I, I say this when applying to fellowships as well, when applying to grad school, if you can see what a winning statement looks like. If you can see what a job app looks like, for someone who got into the job that you want, then you can see, oh, look at, this is how they reframe this. This is the skill sets that they gain. Oh, that's the gap that I have that I need to fill and I can do X, Y, and Z in the meantime to fill that. You start to, to notice some things that maybe may not be clear from the job ad. So maybe ask a few people, slip it in, give them the kind of opportunity to say yes or no, depending on, again, their comfort level too. Um, maybe they don't feel comfortable sharing their materials and that's completely okay, uh, but they might still give you great advice or maybe they might still offer to review your stuff. So no matter what, any help, take it. Um, yeah, and I think one last thing I wanna say about applying to jobs is to apply as many as you, apply to as many positions as you can. Um, within your capacity to do so. Um, in some ways, it is a numbers game. And so you just need to keep applying and applying and applying. The good thing about jobs is that they have shorter timelines than applying to say grad school or <laughs> tenure track positions. So you'll start to hear back relatively soon. You don't have to wait multiple months like in grad school where you apply in December, you don't find out till February, March, you're waiting three months, um, sometimes longer. At least when you apply to jobs, you'll find out two weeks, maybe four weeks later, but it's, it's a quicker timeline. So just keep applying. Um, if you don't hear back after a month, you can inquire, get an update on the status of your application. If you get turned down, it doesn't hurt to ask for feedback. Um, I know it's more work on their end for you to ask for tailored feedback. But you know what? You deserve it. Why not ask? I actually, um, I know it's more work on my end. But I've had individuals ask me why they, you know, they didn't get into McNair, why they didn't, they didn't get the graduate mentor position. And when they ask, I go back, I re-review their, their application, I re-review their interview notes, and I give them a detailed paragraph on their strengths and their challenges and the things that they can do to improve their application or their interview in the future. So you can always ask for feedback. They may give it to you, they may not. And then, like, like I said, keep applying, keep applying, keep applying. Eventually, <laughs> if you apply enough, the odds will be in your favor and you will land something. And your first job doesn't have to be the job that you love. Uh, it doesn't have to be the job that's going to be your like job that you're going to retire in. 
Um, but it, maybe it can be your stepping stone job. Maybe it can be the job that's going to help you then get the next job that's going to be um, the perfect job for you. Um, so yeah, keep applying, see what comes up, um, keep networking, reach out, um, get help, and good luck with your search. All right, y'all. I hope you found this helpful. I'll talk to you all later. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anger page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Fem Touring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at yvettemartinezvu.com. Until next time. <laughs>